Hey listeners, here's another episode of Escape from Planet for you. I'm your host Chris, here with Jess and Trevor from Champagne Sharks. What's up guys? Hey, how's it going? It's going. It's, it's going. This is a real throwback a... feel, doesn't it? It's like yeah. three of us, and we're going to talk about some some bullshit that's going on in, in the media landscape. This really does feel like we're back in like 2018 or something, for better or for worse. I don't know if it's... Do you get people who, whenever you have these topics, I feel like whenever I talk one of these topics, there's always one person that's like, why are you talking about that for? It's uh, a... <laughs> It's not serious enough, you know. So yeah, there's the yeah. We got that. It's it's like like people who are like, and it's it's you know people like oh you know this media stuff. It's so tired. It's pointless. It's bullshit. Um, it's meaningless. It's just it's just a minor issue. So why are you going for it? And it's like like okay yeah, I'm a I'm a grown adult, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously, this isn't really. Um, I'm I'm not. I don't think we're doing this because we're personally invested in it. Also, but I don't like the argument that this is because this is kind of an immature pop culture that's ostensibly for children. I think we're going to get into that. It's not actually for the kids. It's for the no, adults, not at all. but like stunted adult. But like yeah. we're still pretending that it's for kids. This stuff is culturally significant because it's supposed to be permeate like permeating uh, everything, right? Everyone is supposed to know about this. Everyone's supposed to identify with this in some way, shape, or form. This kind of forms like the cultural backbone um, that everyone is supposed to kind of like orient themselves around, especially if you're like in America or something, right? Uh, so in that sense, like that it kind of forms the cultural ether, it is kind of important because this is kind of lurking in the background, like our collective subconscious, basically. So it's, it is kind of important to see what they're putting in there. Because it does bleed into into important subjects, like, um, like I've been following, if uh, like for some reason, like I I ended up following like military news a lot. Um, I don't mean to hijack this, but just to like, I know Trevor, you're just kind of asking a throwaway question. I'm get, taking it way too seriously, but it's like no, I follow like military news, like 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 think like announcements by the Pentagon. Usually, it's about like technology or new new uh, like new um yeah like mostly about like war technology it's kind of crazy how often they will use like marvel or star wars language like tropes or like characters or concepts from like science fiction movies to talk about like military technology i mean look at call of duty they were using like video games to recruit Basically, so like this is all connected. Like we already know that the Pentagon funds a ton of this stuff, right? Like uh, Marvel, like Iron Man, especially had to go through several layers of like like um, of uh, I don't I don't know the word is like I don't know if it's editorial review or something by like the actual Pentagon, by the by the surveillance agencies, the alphabet agencies, all of that. So this is all kind of interconnected. So, you know, dismissing it as just simply like, oh, this is just media. It doesn't mean anything. Um, that's like, okay, well, tell the fucking FBI that. Tell the Pentagon and, that. And you also see oh, like... Uh, oh, before we get any further, I mean, I'm sure people know yeah. by the title, but I mean, just in case uh, yeah. listeners, you haven't looked at it, you're like, what the hell are you people talking about? We're going to talk about The Little Mermaid because it just came out a couple of weeks ago. And over the weekend, there was a ton of discussion about it because i mean this this movie is always going to be loaded because of the year how long has it been in production it feels like it's been in production forever but yeah, um there was all like that it thing got about, d- delayed it got delayed because of the pandemic right yeah I, I think i've been aware of it for at least like three years but uh it came out and because there was all this like pent up uh thing about how ariel is black now but then there was like this new angle that took in, uh place in the last week or so 
where everyone is saying the you know Asia, especially Korea and China, where the movie has been doing very badly, uh, is racist for not watching this movie and everything. So that's what this episode, uh, what Jess is going on, uh, is in reference to. And uh, before we get started, though, uh, Trevor, why don't you tell us what what you've been up to? I, I can't remember the last time you were on. I think it was sometime earlier this year, maybe. But yeah, what what have you been up to? What has Champagne Sharks been up to? Um, not. Not much, really. I mean, just the same old. I've been trying to figure out exactly um, what kind of stuff I want to pivot to because I feel so, I don't know if the word's blackpilled, whatever, on the whole identity space. In the, yeah, for sure. I mean, Justin yeah. and I were just talking about it before you, you came on. You know, we all feel the same way. Yeah, like some people were like, you should talk to this political prisoner and this and that. And I'm like, I don't know if my head's. There, I, I feel like it's been such a bust the past couple. I mean, like, I feel like I'm letting the bad guys win by feeling disillusioned by it all. But I just feel like the whole thing with BLM um, uh, coming away from like years of this mobilization with a bunch of mansions and like that's it. Yeah, um, you, you were calling yeah. it out like years ago, and oh yeah, yeah. You were getting. Have you ever gotten a single apology? Because I saw how much, how much just shit was being thrown your way for even suggesting that uh, any of this was going on. <laughs> has anyone n- ever n- been like my bad? No. What actually has happened? You know, it's funny. Uh-huh. Is um, before I quit Twitter, but some of the things that made me realize I had to go it just drove me crazy. Um, I, I called out because somebody was saying something. One of the usual suspects, and I was like, um. You know, you guys should shut up because you were the ones who were getting mad at everybody for calling out um, Black Lives Matter and all that stuff. And you were calling us all homophobic or misogynistic for pointing out like the obvious that these people are just obvious grifters. And they were like, oh, well, shows what you know. Um, black, black women and people in our circle have been calling out BLM from the beginning. I was like, oh, my God. Like, this is one of the people who's actively fighting with me you know what i mean like he's basically declared that they were the ones saying this from the beginning so and they they were saying the opposite they were saying uh blm is fighting for you guys and you guys should um appreciate how we're on the front lines for you yeah so i just kind of realized like, okay these people will just lie it, it doesn't not only did they not apologize they have claimed that they were there before i before i was yeah, I, I listened to that recent episode you did where uh, you talked about, yeah, like the kind of, I don't know if collapse is the right word because it's I don't I don't think it's a BLM's been on on the rise that much anyway. But yeah, you you were talking about that and it, it was it was pretty funny about you know just listening to I think your friend uh, Terrain I, I you oh, got yeah. clips of his interview with the um, the dodgeball uh, specialist. <laughs> she was oh, just yeah. like. <laughs> Yeah, she she sidestepped it like boots on the ground. <laughs> yeah, she could say boots on the ground un, until the time ran out. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that was hilarious. Yeah, it was too much. Mm. Yeah, but that's basically it. Yeah, I, I think we're all in search of what the next thing is. But let's get back on topic. The Little Mermaid. I, that's why I said it was like a throwback. We're here discussing uh, media stuff, which, you know, for, for an hour or two or however this goes on, will be kind of nice to, you know, familiar territory. But I do think this was a very interesting um, thing that happened. It, it got a lot of people's attention. Like normally, like, I mean, T, you said you, you quit Twitter. I mean, uh, audience, he actually deleted 
this Twitter for real. I Dang. Uh, I was personally betting against it. Actually, not really. But <laughs> I, I did not think... Because I know some people who've kind of gone inactive, but then come back. But you actually stayed the whole 30 days and your account is totally gone now, right? Uh, yeah. But I wanted to announce it as much as possible because then I'd have to be embarrassed. If I just pop back up, <laughs> <laughs> like like if I said it quietly, I could have just you know quietly. Yeah, you'd be a Chrissy reacted. Teigen, you know. So yeah, exactly. I don't want to be one of those people that makes a big announcement like you know the suicide note. I'm leaving y'all, and then like I come back. <laughs> You'll so. be sorry when I yeah, leave. Yeah, so I just told like people I knew. Like I figured, hold me accountable. I didn't make like a big announcement really mm-hmm. on the timeline, but I figured if, if I told everyone I knew I was going to do this, then. I can't just pop back up in 30, 30 days. So yeah, mm-hmm. it's uh it's um gone and and I always keep saying this to people. I feel like my brain's already starting to heal. <laughs> you know, yeah. like uh, um someone would bring up something to me and I have no idea what they're talking about and I'm just like really happy when that happens. Yeah. It's like reverse oh, dementia, yeah. like your synapses <laughs> are growing yeah. back. Yeah, I kind of did the same thing. I haven't posted, I haven't deleted my account. I, you know, it's a small account, right? Like, I never really did much with it, but I haven't deleted, but I haven't been on in like, I think like four or five months at this point. Oh, wow. It's pretty good. Um, Yeah. And then I, and then just like, um, I just kind of like opened it up and started looking. It's kind of crazy. Like, I follow like small accounts, not, not, not big ones generally. Um, and it was kind of crazy how I understood nothing that was going on. Like everyone's subtweeting everything. Someone's all, you know, on really angry about something and I have no idea how to follow it. I have no idea how to like trace what's happening either. It takes way shorter than you would think to be in that state. Like mm-hmm. it took me like, a couple of days to be totally lost. Like you never realize how fast it moves until you're like, uh, taking time off of it and then you realize like wow like the main character today i've realized changes about two or three times a day yeah and it's different for if depending on who you are and where you are on twitter like there's gonna be many many different main characters yeah but i think it's happening less and less this is the thing that i've been talking to people about i don't know if you'll find it the same way but i feel like before there were so many people on twitter that what you're talking about was really possible. There could be a lot of main characters in a day, but I feel like it's shrinking so much that mm-hmm. it's less and less main characters per day and a lot of overlap because I have some friends who recently joined Twitter and I'm like, I can't believe you're joining this now. Yeah, re- recently. Um, well, it's only like one or two. And it's weird to see these people going through like the stages. Like they're sending me these dumb tweets. I'm like, I've seen this tweet, variations of it. So many times over the years, like you don't need to send me this. It's something like someone said, "Can you believe what they're saying about black men?" I'm like, "Oh my gosh, just just don't send it to me." I've seen it. like this has been years of what I've been looking at. Like I don't want to see it anymore. And it's the same old, you know, ridiculous stuff. People are like, I can't believe someone thinks like you know black men have uh, page, uh privilege. It's like just just stop, just stop now. But yeah. but anyway. Well, they're not trying to replicate themselves on, on Blue Sky. Uh, but T, you and I were talking about this a few days ago. But now, like for a couple of weeks, people were saying, Blue Sky, so great, great. And now they're like, oh, no, the same problems are <laughs> happening again. And it's just like, no, that's just the same problem with any social media network where you get big enough and where the only reward is for being outrageous and inflammatory. And then people are out there chasing micro fame of course that's what's gonna happen so and, and blue sky was always gonna go bad faster than regular twitter because regular twitter started with a lot of normies and cool crazy people who were not uptight and 
canceling and Tumblr refugees. You know what I mean? But blue skin, like Twitter got worse as all the media people basically colonized it, and then the Tumblr people came. But Blue Sky was starting from jump with power users and shit posters and media. Yeah, they people. skimmed like the the fat off the top of the the stew and yeah, there, yeah. So. You start you're starting off where your small sample is nothing but the people that made uh you know original Twitter become unbearable. And I think the only reason those articles said that Blue Sky started out good was because in the beginning, in the people writing the articles. They're the ones in blue sky. So they don't realize how annoying they are. So they think it's good. You know what I mean? Because, hey, it's all media shit posters and stuff. But, um, yeah, I, I, I think it was probably never good to the average person. It's Just technologi- we- technically very weak, too. Like, this thing can't scale. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, like, so tell us more. Into- You're the tech expert. Like, tell us more. <laughs> Do you understand I mean, the federation part? Because that federated part, I have trouble getting. Um, I mean... Uh, creepy uh, as fuck. We only... We only have two hours, you said. <laughs> no, it's we can go into it a little bit more. Just basically, um, like it it can't fulfill on its promise. You know, it's, it's like decentralized. No one's no. They 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 already have so many like back doors, and it's it's simply like if you if it scales much past this point, they're gonna run into some serious like bottlenecks. Like you're gonna but, see. But, but what does crash. decentralized mean? Does it mean that it's just not one giant chat room? It mean it just means that it's not on like one server farm, basically. Like if you like, uh, I mean, all these things are just are they're hosted all over the world, but they're still owned by one company. The decentralized simply means that like you could be running Blue Sky, uh, a Blue Sky like uh, instance or something on your machine, uh, and this is. I haven't looked into Blue Sky like as it is now, but my information could be old. It could it's about a year old at this point. So maybe they did some radical cool things. But basically decentralized means that like you can be running like uh what's uh, what's the word like you can just be running like imagine like if Twitter you could just run your own little instance of Twitter on your own machine or on your own little server or something. You could have your own little network and then like nobody from like Twitter Incorporated could shut you down. Mm, but can anybody it's just, like it's can like anybody, the, the interface. Yeah. Anybody technically can, yeah. But, but no, can anybody find you, or is it like isolated? Like you can't. Um... Uh, nominally, that's uh, that's that can be up to you, and it's based on the based on how that that uh, decentralized like how that federation process works. You can completely cut yourself off from the outside world to make yourself like unsearchable, um, unviewable, and then just have it be for you and like your five closest friends. You guys just use it as like an extended group chat or something. You could yeah, do that. See, see, that's the main reason why I think it's not going to work because as toxic as it is, a lot of Twitter power users really want to be seen they want to be able to inflict themselves on strangers and scold them and and they want control over the other instances too so if they have like a like an like you can just do like a like a block of things you you don't of instances you don't want or users you don't want but that's in a sense in essence cutting yourself off from that network too it's not gonna. It's not going to really appeal to the power users who are leaving Twitter because they just thought that Elon Musk uh, wasn't going to be banning the people they wanted banned. Yeah, because yeah. you're going to run into that same problem on the, on that end. And by you know, it's 
you can sell it to dumb people very easily. Like, oh, you can just simply, you can be the Elon Musk of your own little instance, and you can just ban whoever you don't want to see on your platform, but you're also cutting off your base. And for a lot of these people, they did trade on notoriety as much as uh, like positive engagement to build their brands. They yeah. need that conflict. So yeah. what's it going to mean to run a social network with this crowd that's so primed to generate and profit off of controversy? That remains to be seen. Yeah. I, I'm curious what the uh, discussion of The Little Mermaid would have been on Blue Sky. Uh, we all know what it was on Twitter, uh, which is what we're here to expound on. So just to give a little background information, um, I think just to set up the scene of, of what set off all these discussions. The Little Mermaid has been in the works for a while. It was a big controversy because this young actress named Halle Bailey was cast as Ariel. She's black, and I mean, people are kind of getting sick of these Disney remakes anyway. And I think this that I, I think that just added like salt to the wounds. Like, oh god! And then um, it's been in production for a while. It finally comes out, and based on what it cost, I think I mean I've seen figures thrown around. It would have to make somewhere maybe between six hundred to six hundred fifty million just to kind of uh, recoup its costs and just to compare it. All the big uh, Disney live remakes that came before it, like The Lion King, Aladdin, and Beauty and the Beast, all made over a billion dollars. Like nobody really liked those movies, except maybe Beauty and the Beast. People were kind of lukewarm about, but all the other ones, people have, have you know, just kind of erased from their memories. Uh, so that's the standard it would have to live up to. And you know, The Little Mermaid is one of the really big uh, Disney animated classics, like the one that really set off the, the golden age of disney animation so you know if this didn't make at least that much it would be regarded as a failure and i think right now people are hoping it makes about 550 million so basically half of what the others averaged and then um it's like doing okay in the u.s i think it's gonna do a little less well than aladdin or maybe like moderately less well but it's really suffering at oh yeah go ahead t i gonna say did you see how um did you see how people were Kind of, but there was the person from the Aladdin movie, the one that played Aladdin. Yeah, Mina Masood or whatever. Yeah, he, yeah, he tweeted pretty innocuously that you know he doesn't think it's gonna hit a billion dollars for a certain amount of reasons, and he wasn't saying in a taunting way like yeah, 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 you guys aren't gonna make. He was just kind of saying, hey, you know, people should temper their expectations because you know we don't think it's gonna make a billion dollars, and here's why. And they basically ran him off as being jealous a hater racist yeah, they hanged around and quartered him online and now he, he had to delete his either instagram or twitter i forget which one it, it was twitter yeah. why just for saying it's not going to hit the yeah. the target like looking back at it they should he's doing them a favor he's trying to lower expectations because that's what they're all trying to do now they're saying oh if it just breaks even it's going to do well which it doesn't even seem like it's going to do but he was trying to do everyone a favor saying oh look it's not going to hit a billion and and yeah they they uh called him a racist and a hater. no i think what they want to do is make it seem like it's meant to hit a billion, and then you can say that there was foul play against yeah, the chinks. it. The chinks yeah, started yeah, the way. Yeah, yeah. yeah, once you get once you get the default that it's supposed to hit a billion, but I think what he was saying is no, there's not an actual organic demand for a billion, which is not what they want to hear. They want to hear that no, the billion thing was a foregone conclusion, and now we gotta reverse engineer what went wrong. From what it was, quote unquote, supposed, it wasn't just a Chinese, wasn't there another? The Chinese well, it's got doing a bulk badly. Of it. It's oh, doing oh. badly in Korea as well. Oh, Korea, okay. And so. like, and it's like not doing well in any international markets. I think at best, it's like they're saying it's holding well, but that's kind of a 
sunny side look at it because it like it opened worse so you know even if you hold but, it better or at but the is it even festival. doing the best it could do in america because the american numbers didn't look that it's all right either. It's, it's, as i said like, i think it's gonna i mean i hate the fact that i know these numbers this is another thing i hate about contemporary culture is like the, this box office obsession but yeah you know you know just 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 because i get caught up in it too, i had to do i did all this research and it's like i think atlanta made about 350 million or close to about 400 million. I think this is going to do about 50 million less or somewhere around there. It's probably going to do 300 something, maybe a little bit above, but that's still not that great considering, I think Aladdin was considered sort of a disappointment domestic, but somehow it it did crazy well, especially in Korea. It it made almost a hundred million dollars in Korea and Korea doesn't like even like Star. Like I've seen the receipts for Star Wars. I think it makes maybe like eight ten million or something i don't know they don't like it but they loved aladdin for some reason uh so like it really did much of its business in asia and that's something i found out disney live action asia loves them uh in contrast asia does not give a shit about like say star wars like europe loves star wars but europe also doesn't seem to really care about these disney live action remakes which is why i think there's been less scrutiny in the fact that it's doing less well in europe but the fact is it doesn't do as well in france that means you only lose like five ten million because it never would have made that much there anyway compared to like Korea Man, or China. You're rattling or off Japan. This, the stuff like football stats. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. So well, sports, like, you know, Whoa. Premier League is over, NBA season is is wrapping up. You know, I, I got I to gotta get my stats fixed somewhere. Mm-hmm. Somebody's but I think you got, got birds really, really going hardcore in the back. Oh, it must be Jess. Jess lives like in nature. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. No, oh, no, like, no, and it's nice. Yeah, it's a nice yeah, song yeah, it's nice. Yeah, yeah it, sounds, it sounds like we're, we're outdoors talking. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, yeah, I just kind of tuned that out. Plus, I have headphones, so I can't hear it. Uh, but the mic, I guess, picks it up. Anyway, um, yeah, I was I was just taking a look at the, the numbers. And there's definitely kind of a discourse management thing. Like, there's definitely a, a, um, a narrative, like, being created here. Because um, it's not doing that hot in Africa and, or Europe. But it's but it's like uh, but it's like glass half full versus glass half empty. It's the same amount of water. It's just it's just a matter of how you want to talk about it. Uh, but all the the negative headlines were about how poorly it's doing in China and South Korea. But no one's accounting for how it's it 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 did it's doing the worst of all the remakes in Africa, of all places. So I don't know. Does that shift the uh, anti-blackness narrative any, or not? Um, also, I, never, I didn't see any. I didn't see anyone trying to discuss that. Yeah. Also, um, the the new Spider Verse movie came out right after, and it's been doing pretty well in Asia. And the new Transformers movie came out, which I just I, I didn't even know there was a new Transformers movie. But the two stars of that movie is, is a Latino and a black woman, and it made like forty million dollars in China over the weekend. So it's like that's why i said uh, they're gonna they're gonna take the misogynoir angle because that's like well i don't know if like i guess transformers had a black woman but because yeah you're saying it's like anti-black is it's more complicated than that yeah i mean i'm not any i i mean i don't i haven't kept up on like the twitter brouhaha although i'm pretty sure there has been one raging um it's not like i don't think anything we're saying here is to try to like deny or address like um like racism in asia right like like we're not this that's not the subject of what we're talking about here we're, we're, i'm interested in what what we're doing on over here to kind of create that kind of controversy that kind of narrative control around this that's the that's the part that's more interesting to me yeah and also because um 
there is this big uh, flashpoint happening in Hollywood right now. I mean, even before the writer strike, but the the writer strike is uh, going to really bring it all to a head. But there's been a lot of you know with the streaming services cutting down on a lot of their spending because of you know the interest rate spike and just this kind of realization that yeah you can't just spend forever and a lot of people aren't watching these uh, shows that you know really cater to socially progressive values um, especially if they're like too overt and everything like that and I do think that the Little Mermaid is one of these big final battles so. The people who are very invested, not just in this movie that might lose their jobs, but just like in, you know, what is the next five to 10 years going to look like, especially when a guy like David Zaslav's in charge at uh, HBO. Um, so they need to come up with a rational explanation for, hey, this movie might have tanked, but this is why you should keep hiring me and my friends to do this and that. And it's very easy to just blame Asia. Like that's just what America usually does, especially if it's China. Korea, I think, kind of just gets caught in the because i mean technically they're supposed to be like a stalwart u.s ally especially with the current government but it, i think it's just an american reflex to be like oh yeah those asians and well, i also don't know what we're trying to do here like okay let's mm. assume that it's actually true like now what like i like if I, like that's that's the part that that gets me like assuming everything about that is true that it's just um that you know this continent is is just actually just really really racist and won't do that but yet you know these movies need to do well in this in these countries to be able to you know at least uh be worthwhile to make here like what's the plan then have have you seen have you guys seen the article in the new york times about the guy who's behind all of these live action remakes uh sean no. bailey it's in no the, it's in the do you have new a york link? i actually i've been really curious about that yeah let me um put it into the outline, I think it's probably the easiest. Sure, and uh, and we'll share that in the show notes too. Okay, cool. I mean, so, so, anyway, yeah. So well, what about this guy, Sean Bailey? Oh, oh, oh yeah. So, so he's a pretty. Okay, I just put in in the show in the in the outline near the top. But basically, uh, it says the man reimagining Disney classics for today's world, and it says Sean Bailey is in charge of live action remakes of films like The Little Mermaid. It's a job that puts him in the middle of a partisan uh, divide. And it just kind of basically goes into how um, they feel like his remake operation. So one guy's in charge of his whole operation. And they seem to be kind of trying to make it seem like it's it's kind of neutral, but kind of not to me, the article. It's kind of, it mentions uh, Anheuser-Busch and Nike uh, problems and the hyperpartisan divide, and I think at the end of the day, it kind of makes it seem like he's having to deal with all these racists and whatever as a as a price for trying to be, you know, progressive and everything. And one thing I don't really like is that it seems to take at face value the idea that there's this um like I don't doubt that there are racists who hate the movie. I think that's true for. Anything involving yeah. a person of color. I think everything involving a woman is going to have some sexes come out. But I think there's a investment in exaggerating this stuff because people kind of want to have... It's like self-handicapping. It's like, hey, if I do something without a built-in excuse for why it could go wrong, already built in, I might end up losing my job. So 
if I hop on this kind of uh, woke bandwagon and from the beginning just start, because these people will start even before anything happens saying, yeah, you know, we're very worried about racist trolls coming out. Like, you're almost like calling them into existence. You start calling them out before it even happens, like what they did with Kenobi and everything. And they start giving, like, um, they had Ewan McGregor come out even before the, the show came out saying racism is not okay. And I'm standing by the star. And people are like, wait, what's happened to her yet? <laughs> the movie thing hasn't even come out. And of course, that clockwork. Wait, there's a it, show coming out? Like, they didn't even know that? Yeah, they didn't even know there's a show coming out. And then when the show came out, she shared the racist threats she was getting. And there were like two that she showed. And they were pretty tame. <laughs> You know, she sucked. Um, yeah. Wait, wait, time out. Time out, though. You, you're saying this guy, but but the thing is, I, I don't think until the Little Mermaid, any of the live action remakes did anything like this. In fact, I think they were criticized for just basically being uh, shot for shot remakes, including in terms of the race and gender of the characters. I know the next Snow yeah, White. That's a great point because there was not a lot of culture war stuff around Aladdin or um, the Jungle Book or any of that stuff. So yeah, yeah you're right. Jungle Book, Cinderella, uh, Beauty and the Beast. The next Snow White is starring the woman from uh, the West Side Story, Rachel Zegler. Yeah, yeah, but she's it's a like, Tina. Yeah, but Wait, she's, she's Snow also, White. Are they good? Yeah. yeah, but it's also like she's not like. Like Amerindian, like she's, you know, she's. I think if you give her like pale enough makeup, she could probably pass for a white. I don't, I don't think that's too much of a big deal. Wait, I think they're gonna I mean, hype sorry, it up. Hold on. And- the princess whose tagline is "the fairest of them all," and her name Snow White refers to like her skin. No, no. Too. See, it, okay. it first it refers Side to note, her soul. I thought Snow White uh, was Snow Asian. White. <laughs> when I saw the movie, I, I saw because she has like pale skin, pitch black hair. Yeah, and like kind of like squinty eyes. Yeah, I mean, I, I could, I could see that. Um, oh yeah, so I thought Snow White was Asian. This whole <laughs> like basically up until like, oh, it's it's like a Danish story or something. Okay, all right, mm. I can, I can, anyway. I can live with that. Yeah, like, but just, this is not even a. Uh, it's not like you were like, okay, we're gonna turn Cinderella into, like, let, let's start off with a Latina and then work our way up to a black woman. It didn't even go like that. No, they cast what's her name, Lily James, right? With Cinderella, and. Yeah, I guess Will Smith was a genie, but he's blue anyway. Nobody cared about that. And plus, he was like a big star. So I think I think that probably helped with the box office. Um, yeah, that's another thing. I mean, I just wanted to throw in there about the, the box office thing. is like there were no stars in The Little Mermaid. If you're an international audience, The Little Mermaid was like, what, 30 years ago almost? And there is no Will Smith type person to, to really carry it. You're just kind of seeing a bunch of nobodies. Um, Anyway, I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm skimming this article. I'm not seeing any mention of why why they have to do the, like what is the what is the impetus to remake these stories if they're so problematic and so like the source material is so bad. And you know, they the movies that were made are classics in their own. Why did we need to make them? Remakes? I think I think why they have to do it uh, for there's like a multitude of reasons. I think uh, different people at different levels have different reasons for why they want to do it, but it's kind of an interest convergence that basically makes a bunch of people on the same page, even if not for the exact same reasons. I think the executives, right? Right now, Hollywood is so risk-averse. They don't want to do anything that's not a remake or a sequel or whatever. Like like somebody was putting up a name of everything coming up that's not a sequel or a remake or an adaptation of a big IP. And I think there was like two or three big office, big box office releases coming out in the next season that don't fall in that category, right? So it's like, I think what happens is people feel like, okay, 
all these companies now are uh, Fortune 500 or multinational companies with um, public stocks or, you know, part of a larger corporation, the shareholders and everything. So basically, when you have a company like that, it's not like a privately held company where you can fail for a couple of seasons, but you wouldn't take a step back to make two steps forward. You have quarterly reports, you have shareholder meetings, you have people who is like, it's not even if you just stay the same or keep the same amount of profit, you have to be growing every year. And it's like, I think in those kind of at, in those kind of um, environments, the way people start thinking is if I fail at something that looked good on paper that I can justify, I have a better chance of keeping my job than if I go for something really original and out the box and novel and I fail at that. I'll become a much easier scapegoat. So so I think a lot of um, corporate maneuvering when you're in that type of company starts becoming about what can I excuse? What kind of built-in excuse can I have um, ready? So I think for the execs, it becomes about that. Everything that doesn't fall into those categories, like you used to have movies like My Big Fat Greek Wedding, which... um, was actually more profitable than Avatar because Avatar made a ton more money, but the budget was so low on something like my big fat Greek wedding. And it was, it made so much money compared to what was spent on it. It's actually like, if you invested in that, you made your money back 10 times. Avatar made its money back, um, you know, it doubled. But now people are afraid they don't want to take the risk of failing, even if it, if you, even if it's something that will cause you to get a really big win if you do win. Like the win of getting the next My Big Fat Greek Wedding or the next Goodwill Hunting to them is not worth the risk of getting caught holding the bag on a turkey uh, when the next shareholder report comes about. So that's why I feel they're doing all these safe things. IP, remaking of old classics or whatever. You get automatic press. You get automatic um, controversy. It's going to make a, a baseline amount of money, even if it doesn't make yeah, a billion. Yeah, it's not a billion. Yeah, yeah. If it doesn't make a billion, it's at least got to come close to breaking even. Like, you know, um, so I think that's kind of what happened. But from the talent perspective, I think a lot of these people who are talent have no great ideas themselves. They aren't people who are banging down on the studio walls like, hey, I have this very personal. Like, there's no... George Lucas coming in the wings among these new writers. Like, hey, I have an idea for a whole universe. Give me give me some money and I will create a new franchise for you. And here's the new concept. Like, like there's, there's nobody coming with the Star Wars. There's no Sylvester Stallone coming with, hey, I have a very personal story that I'm willing to bet on this story. Like, like Sylvester Stallone was willing to take really low pay. Like, just give me some of the box office on the back end. I really believe in this. And... I won't let anyone else direct it. So if you don't, if you don't let me uh, write it or whatever, I forgot what it was. I think they want to give it to some of the starring, like Robert Redford. That's what it was. He's like, no, I believe in this so much. I'd rather not make it than not star in it. And he, and you said you used to have stuff like that. People would take uh, risks, but these new people, they just want to be famous. To me, that's what I, that's what I feel. They want to be in the industry. They want to be in the rooms where it happens and. They don't have any bright ideas themselves. Like the th- the stuff they actually pitch is derivative. They'll pitch like, "Hey, I have an idea for, um, 
you know, a black version of this. Like they'll come to the studio with that. So it's not really a big contortion for them to um, align what the studio is asking for. And also they know that they can't create anything that is going to resonate with people. So they'd rather hijack something that has a built-in appeal and then make it about themselves. Yeah. I, I mentioned before that uh, like The Little Mermaid has become this potentially one of the last like defining fights between what often people call like woke versus unwoke. And we use the term often ourselves. I, I want to get your guys' definition. What, what do you guys mean when you say woke? I mean, this was like a thing on like what Twitter a, a month ago or so and everyone had their different input. I have my own definition, but how do you guys define it? Like when you use it? I think it'll be helpful for our listeners as well. I just spoke a ton, so I feel like Jess should answer first. Oh, fuck. I was hoping you would go because I'm like, <laughs> oh, God, what? Uh, this is like a Rorschach test. Um, I, don't, I guess uh, it, um, I guess I came up in the era when politically correct was a thing, right? Mm-hmm. I, I think we're all, we, we all know the term. Most of the listeners will definitely have. It's kind of the same feel, right? So it's, it's more, it's less about like the thing itself and more about what kind of personality you want to project, project as what kind of personality you want to claim as your own uh as part of like your own personal brand so mm-hmm. i guess woke would be i mean it it doesn't to me it doesn't really stand for a firm like ideological position by itself because i think we've all seen it change like the specifics the specific ways you demonstrate that you are woke can morph rapidly like a thing that is that is woke and get will get you applause from this crowd uh two years ago isn't may not be the same thing that'll get you applause now. So it's really more about like being able to read the the room and wanting to wanting the approval of that room to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess they could you could say I mean so that's not that's not really even a specific thing. Like uh like it's presented as like woke and non-woke. It's I guess if you're using those terms that like nobody would actually just go out and say like, I'm non-woke, right? It's definitely somebody who is quote woke who would be calling someone that, um, but it's more like those terms refer to ideological positions that aren't really pinned to anything. It can change and it's really just reactionary. So it's really like woke is actually defined more by what's not woke than by anything in and of itself and, Mm -hmm. and vice versa too. I think uh, the other like, Okay, like to me, there is no ideologically consistent way to reconcile being like super gung ho about the Second Amendment and also super pro cop. Like those two things do not belong together. And yet, like you'll see more often, that Venn diagram might as well be a circle hmm. for that crew. Like, uh, like this is definitely not the pod for that, but like that's, mm-hmm. that's the kind of thing, right? Like, so is, it's is not that because really if you're. Ideal- all for like self-protection like why would you need police is that what you're saying no it's more saying like like the entire like like the 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 underpinning for the second amendment is to see the government as a potential enemy right Mm, okay so um you don't act like how can you be so pro-gun and also be like okay yeah oh hell yeah i want the cops to have their fucking tanks right like that that makes no sense <laughs> because 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 i think the original idea of the second amendment was to have like your own militia to protect you against the government if you wanted whereas these people i think they think of 
the Second Amendment as what protects them against the poors and the minorities. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So yeah. against the and those would probably be the people they would deride as quote woke, right? Yeah. Like I'll just yeah, like that's that's who their perceived enemy is. They are essentially seeing themselves as deputies of the state in that sense. But it's not ideologically or like historically consistent at all. Yeah. And they also uh, do hate the government. I guess just except the police. That's like the only and the military. That's the only thing that's. And it's like you yeah. guys are fucking nuts right <laughs> um um so like so that's that's kind of what it means to me um mm-hmm. and i think they only hate the go- i think those types like just like the real militia types that really hate the government but I yeah think for, I respect, I, I, that's consistent i respect yeah, yeah. that right but i think for these types they mainly only hate the government to the extent that they ever feel it's siding with the quote unquote woke people or the minorities or the or exactly. the poors. Yeah. So they don't, I don't think they really hate the government as a concept. They just, they just feel like the government's betraying them in terms of how it deals with X, Y, and Z issue. You know what yeah, I mean? They're, that it's, they're like, yeah, they're just welfare chauvinists and they think, yeah, it's not like they hate the government as a concept. It's just like been corrupted by yeah, the exactly. people. Yeah, exactly. So in the good old like, days, the government was yeah. They they were oppressing the right people and you know helping out the poor, the poor white guy or whatever that yeah. you know, should be uplifted or something. Um, uh, uh, T. So what's your what's your uh, definition of woke? Um, the definition of woke that I kind of like. Uh, well, actually, let's go back up for a second. I think the inability to define wokeness is like a feature and not a bug to the mm-hmm. people that yeah, get called yep, woke yep. because mm-hmm. it allows them to weaponize it you know if you can't um if you can't pin down what it is it, it's a forever a no true scotsman fallacy like you think you say oh well uh that's not what woke means or that's not what woke means and freddie deboer who I'm not always crazy about, but I think his writing on this topic has been very good. Where he kind of said that no, I like Freddie, yeah, yeah. Just just tell just tell us what to call this thing because if if wokeness is not a good word, just give us a word. But nobody ever wants to answer and give a word because once you tie them down to something concrete, now they have to defend it, and they like having a moving target. It makes it easier to kind of victim bully and emotionally blackmail. And victim bully is what I mean is what I call like cry bullying, like bullying from the victim position. Mm-hmm. But um, before I say what I think woke is, I think what woke is not, and it's kind of piggybacks on what Jess was saying, but it's not really about the content of the beliefs, not the substance of the beliefs, right? Like, I don't think it's really about being anti-racist or pro-woman or whatever, because by pretending it's about that, you can then call anything kind of woke so like what was kind of happening is people were to give an example people were complaining about this really preachy terrible like um i think it was a tv show or something and people were defending it by saying oh you said you hate wokeness i guess you would have hated martin luther king or you would have hated malcolm x and it's like okay no everybody who is anti-racist isn't doing the weird goalpost moving and and double binds and um victim bullying that you guys are doing like they try to i think pretend that wokeness is just about the beliefs like oh if you're um you know no, so they'll say stuff like oh people attack me for being woke well i guess that puts me in the company of 
Gandhi and MLK, if being woke <laughs> Jesus, is bad, Jesus, I want, you know, yeah, Jesus. I guess, I guess Jesus. And it's like, no, Jesus wasn't going around canceling people. What he said ten years ago, like he was <laughs> he about forgiveness. The <laughs> yeah, exactly. if anything, he was about forgiveness. Like if you showed repentance, he was really into forgiving your enemies, turn the other cheek, and everything. So yeah, I think what people want you to be, think that woke is is anything that is um, for an oppressed person, anything that is. Uh, you know, um, anti-racist, uh, that, that is pro-woman, that is, uh, pro-trans is automatically, uh, woke. Whereas I think what wokeness in practice, modern wokeness is, is using a hard to attack moral position as a shield through which to, uh, exercise a will to power. Like, you know, um, I want to be powerful. I want to be respected. I want to uh, be able to kind of bully people or whatever, but I want to do it behind the guise of something that is unassailable on his face, you know, and I want to do it. it. Yeah. 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 I want to do it from the bottom. Like Mm -hmm. I want, I want to, uh, it's like ideological power bottoming. Like, you know, I want to, uh, I have to paint myself as the most oppressed. And, and if I could win that competition to be the most oppressed person, I now have the most carte blanche by which to emotionally blackmail and bully people. Yeah, and I think that blackmailing part is critical because you could say that power bottoming from a position we did is just kind of like classic progressivism. But this is different from, say, you know, say 2000s era, uh, you know, progressive politics. Let's say like Ralph Naderism or like a Dennis Kucinichism, that kind of progressive policy. It's like very different, right? Because it, it seems, because my definition of it, especially more, this is like, you guys are providing like very um, like high level type of uh, frameworks. I, for me, I, I, in the context of say like movies and stuff, I would say that it's the, like the top priority uh, in, in the wokeness mindset when it comes to movies is, is the top prioritization of the self-esteem of various select groups and what are, and that group can change uh, depending entirely on the context and i think that's what you guys mean in that there's no real set standard it's like one group can be the the you know the the protected group one minute but then like take the little mermaid for for example right now in the context of all these like mega racists and all these like chinese racists it's about this poor belittled black girl uh, just trying to make it on her own but then in another context wait a minute she's cis head she's straight she's uh thin or um you know she has long hair i don't know there's like always something that can suddenly uh put her out of the position of being that protected group and yeah, it's gonna the be okay privilege rankings right yeah. and it's like, the idea is to be at the very more? bottom of the privilege the privilege hierarchy that's the morally the ontologically pure and therefore morally unassailable victim yeah the uh, power position that, yeah, yeah the power position because of their utter powerlessness they are they are entitled to wield uh, rhetorical uh, power in whatever conversation is going down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and to expand something that Chris was saying, I think it's two things. I think it's the affirmation of the self-esteem of the people who have self-identified as the um, oppressed group, but also, and it's kind of the flip side of the same thing, um, 
Stuttling scores with the agreed upon enemies and Terrence. So it has yeah. to be a Knocking combination. Effect, yeah. Yeah. So it has to be a combination of uh, an uplifting and affirming of us, but it also has to take down a peg our imagined enemies, whether it's bros, yeah. whether it's Karen. There has to be a comeuppance. Yeah, exactly. So it shows up in weird ways. So, like in a, in like romantic struggles, like gendered romantic struggles, um, the 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 ontologically pure per- victim here, the power bottom, um, receives you know the adulation, the love of the desired male, or like or riches, or just whatever whatever is set up to be the prize in in this like media piece. But also, like the uh, certain right people have to be jealous. Like in that movie, yeah. uh, "The Hate You Give," I thought it was very telling that you know there's a scene where not only is the white CW looking, and he's literally like a CW lead. He's from he's from Riverdale. Uh, the white <laughs> CW looking underwear model type of guy who's a quarterback as well, but also listens to hip hop. But make sure not to say the N word when he sings along with the songs. That's oh, a line that from the. In there? That's a line from the book. book. That's a, that's a line from yeah, the book. I actually read at least half the book, and it's in there. Yeah, that's yeah. Like she knows he's the one. Yeah, yeah. She, she knows he's the one because he knows not to sing along with the N word parts in the song. <laughs> I forgot how big, how how much of a masochist you both are when it came to that. I've been trying to come back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I actually listened to. Another show about race. Read the audio book of it. So I, I got to listen to them uh, read the book and, wow. then, and then talk about it. So yeah, it was. Uh, I was vicariously living through someone else's masochism to, to experience <laughs> that that book. But in in that move in that movie, there's a big scene where she's um, making out with him, and and then the uh, conventionally pretty. Uh, white girl types pass by and they're so seething with jealousy like why her why did why is he with her and not us i'm like i can't believe this scene is in here like it's, this person just wearing their id all just splattered mm. on the screen like you know just um what this is really about you know and i mm-hmm. think that's a, a key for a lot same thing with that um what's the other one that was everyone was pretending to like but by the time the sequels came out it became clear no one really liked it that um to all the you boys ta- oh yeah but that per- like you could be talking about like like so 20 many. different things yeah <laughs> but i remember uh, to all the boys a big part of it was about the white girl and how you know to me when, when i watched it so much of it was not just about getting the white guy and the affirmation of the asian girl's identity but that the white girl is kind of shown to be a bitchy ass karen that uh mm-hmm. he actively rejects yeah, so it's like it's like it's intra and inter gender and race. It's like a four square matrix math going on here. It can't yeah. just be a straightforward. It 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 would be too straightforward to just be about desirable man gets it. It's really about he's desirable because these desirable girls would typically get with him. So the win is that is that she sides she stepped over the yes desire the classically desirable women to get the desirable men. Yeah, yeah. And we were talking about before about the the problem of just you were saying like, well, if these movies are not succeeding abroad, what what's the solution? And I think that's the bind they they find themselves in because like it's like this wokeness if it's defined as 
raising the self-esteem of not, not just groups, but very specific American groups who have been, I think, definitely unfairly uh, just maligned and, and pressed down uh, by American culture, really. And I see The Little Mermaid. I see something like Cleopatra. I see Queen Charlotte. There's so many of these like things that I think are clearly trying to uplift the long kind of uh, ravaged self-esteem of black women because of what American culture has done to them. And, but the thing is, it doesn't really work abroad because they don't, it's not, first of all, it's like America's problem. It, like, they did, like, you know, China or Egypt, or they didn't do that. And then as soon as, like, remember with the thing with Cleopatra, where Egypt was like, what the hell? Like, why are you turning this into a Jada Pinkett Smith uh, power fantasy of this, you know, black queen with the, her two Roman uh, lovers, one of whom is Julius Caesar, the other is Mark Antony. It's clearly like a, her own fantasy. Like, why are you taking our history and doing this? And then they, the whole nation got called racist. It's like, it doesn't quite work abroad. And I think we saw a similar thing happen with Shang-Chi in China, which was very specifically meant to address like second generation Asian American self-esteem issues. And China uh, rejected that because they're like, we don't get this. Why do we care about this? And I mean, some people say like China didn't like The Little Mermaid because they thought Halle Bailey was ugly. I mean, let's assume that was true. I mean, they said the same thing about Simu Liu, and but then nobody said anything about uh, that's that's bad. In fact, people, some people had a good chuckle about it. Like, so it's like, again, it, it we know this is doesn't translate well overseas, but um, often. But with The Little Mermaid, it became this whole crusade about you have to like this movie. How dare you not uh, let it propel to a billion? As if it's the world's uh, obligation to correct america's wrongs and the other thing people uh said too was uh well someone said this in correction they were like well if it's about racism then why did mulan uh do so badly you know because yeah, that did badly mulan in did, china did too badly shang chi um, did badly there's yeah there, like a lot of movies actually do badly in china i think there. i think there's mm-hmm. also that sense of <laughs> hollywood entitlement where they're just so used to I don't even know if it was like this back in the day, but you know, where where Asia, all they did was take and accept. There were, and it was like a one way relationship culture wise. But now, yeah. um, you know, China sometimes won't even let movies in. Uh, uh, I, I think Shang Chi didn't even open in China or whatever. Or whatever, like Chinese people didn't well, like it. Was, it, it was such and crazy a, rich Asians too. It's a poor knockoff, right? They were trying to incorporate like like uh, like Wushu, you know, all these like action, mo- like Hong Kong action movies. It's, I mean, it, by that standard, it's very, very, it's a poor, yeah. very dim remake. It's, you know, a, yeah. a, like a it was rehashing. very good martial arts by American movie standards, but yeah, by their standards, it was not. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of like, um, it's kind of like serving, it's kind of like serving like a dish, you know, well done poorly and then getting mad that you're like, yeah, this isn't it. <laughs> you know yeah, like you just didn't like, like they would know like <laughs> i think it probably doesn't help that they get a lot of their input on this stuff from how minority americans act because i feel like you know minority americans act like nothing that was happening in minority only spaces really matters until the mainstream gives acknowledgement you know so kind of like no black show mattered until uh, there was one that white people liked it, whatever. And I think maybe, and this is totally spitballing. Maybe I'm totally off on this, but sometimes I wonder if white people from dealing with domestic minorities start projecting or thinking that foreign minorities think the same way. Like, Oh um, yeah, we've had minority stuff before, but this is Disney. 
the American powerhouse acknowledging us. You know, you know, kind of people acting like uh, Black Panther was the first thing black people ever did, the way you would think some of these like uh, blue checks were acting. And yeah, I mean, I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure in, in Asia, they just don't care. Like they've had their own industry. They don't need to be validated by white Hollywood to feel like they have arrived, you know? Yeah. Accepted, seen. I, yeah, I hate they, that. <laughs> we're seen. Yeah, like it, that's just not the perspective. Um, but we're used to ne- we're used to that being the uh, the default relationship that non-whites have with the media industry. Yeah, can I say uh, like I, I think uh, when you said like self, you know, raising the self like esteem or confidence of of black women, I want to point out here something that just flies under everyone's radar. This stuff isn't actually like ethnic culture. Maybe that seems obvious mm-hmm. to say, but the way we debate it is at the level of like assuming like people are going to the mats for the Little Mermaid as if it's a piece of like black culture, like black American culture and attacking it is akin to attacking like blackness in general. So like a broadly like and and that's a really weird that's a really weird um, relationship to have with you know, literally one of the most powerful corporations on the planet. It's kind of weird. Like what is culture, right? Culture is kind of, are elements of a thing, are elements of the ways people live that are broadly shared and owned, right? It's kind of weird to even talk about ownership when it's culture because it's it's broadly distributed. Uh, Everyone has their own take on it and everyone kind of owns a minor piece of it and it's shared. Culture is a thing that exists between people and connects people uh, it's not really a thing that kind of exists on its own. But The Little Mermaid, same with like Black Panther, Shang-Chi, all of this, it's actually IP, right? So it's very strange to me to see people going to the mats for this. Like a Black person, despite Ariel being Black, will not be able to use Ariel's likeness in a commercial work without getting without getting their, their pants sued off of them by Disney. Because they don't actually own it. This is this is Disney's property, and we're all kind of doing their PR work by a sec- accepting it as elements of culture. So in essence, we're kind of renting. We're supposed to accept that we're now renting culture from Disney. Like it was really if, like it, it, it hit me really hard when when the whole rollout of Shang Chi was happening. And our agents were like weeping, basically, you know, over like finally we have this piece of Asian American culture. There's even an article that I think about often which just just really like brought it home for me and it's a it's it's written by a, a Chinese American woman who wrote an entire thing about uh, it, can I can I um can I buy my non-Asian child a Shang-Chi costume is that racist and then she's just basically talking through this issue like she owns the mm-hmm. Shang-Chi brand like as like this is this is you know this would be very disrespectful to Asians. Like no, this is it's not about disrespect wait, 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 to you Asians. You said uh, this was an Asian woman. This was an Asian woman who's nom- who's like kind of re- writing an essay in the guise of like answering a question from a concerned oh, okay. like non Asian like, parent who's like if I if I yeah like the parent of a non Asian child. Oh okay. Uh, is like Shang Chi is not created by Asian people. No, it's not. Yeah, it's, it's, no, like none of this was yeah. was actually created by Asian people. And even if it were, the IP itself is owned by Disney. Me, an Asian person, can't use Shang Chi as like if it's if it's culture, I would be able to use it. It's something that I would basically be able to own. And the and like an offensive part of this is Disney actually borrowed 
elements of actual like ancient Chinese culture, right? Like the the nine-tailed fox, etc., in part of their work, right? So a culture is a thing that cannot be copyright protected, etc. They were willing to borrow, but if I were to use that, their their lawyers would come after me. So in what sense do I actually own this? What in what sense is this actually like culture in a real human sense? There is an absolute limit that I'm willing to go to bat for this because it's simply not mine. Something pretty uh, interesting, if I remember correctly, um, I don't know if they changed this, but uh, the original Shang Chi is actually uh, Happa. Uh, yeah, he's like the son of Fu Manchu. Yeah, did, Fu, didn't Fu Manchu rape a white woman or something, or so, I, yeah, kidnapped her and, and tricked sure her into was, falling in love with him or something? Like yeah, that. it was either by trickery, like she didn't know who he was or whatever. But people kind of forgot. I think even people who make the comics now kind of forgot, but. He was a uh, Happer. He is the son of a Yellow Peril character. Literal. And his like, skin was literally yellow, <laughs> like the color yellow, uh, yeah. for like the first couple of years. I mean, it's not like this is like a character rooted in something positive. It's almost like trying to reclaim Charlie Chan. It's not really uh, something that. It's kind of weird to see people trying to make the character something that you have to apologize to Asians for infringing on. Like you know, it would be like. Um, like be my freaking guest take that caricature yeah. of a human off my hands here i don't want to be associated with it yeah it would be like somebody trying to take uh saying hey if i dress my kid up as amos and andy you know will i be stealing <laughs> appropriating <laughs> black culture it's like no oh, like, i don't think so it's not gonna work that way but uh what, what's interesting is one of the co-creators of uh shang chi there's two guys uh steve englehart and jim starlin was the artist and uh he actually quit the book because he didn't know who Fu Manchu was, <laughs> and he read a he read a Fu Manchu uh, article. I mean, he read a, read a Fu Manchu book shortly after starting the series, and he was like so disgusted, disgusted that oh, he quit no. he quit the book. He said he thought it was too uh, too racist. He said um, uh, he did the first issue, and then Larry Hammer, who was an Asian uh, writer and artist over at Marvel said, hey, have you ever read one of those books? And he gave him one. And then he was like, oh, my God, this is so embarrassing. And then he quit, he quit uh, the, the, yeah. the book. It, it, make, it makes me think of, like, let's say best case scenario for the whole, like, woke crowd. Let's say Little Mermaid is an amazing movie, makes one and a half billion dollars, becomes so good it even replaces the classic. And Ariel almost canonically becomes black now she that she becomes like so popular but then it's like okay then what is but then when they announced the, the race swapping of the little mermaid immediately my thought was they picked the absolute worst one to do this with i because, wanted to get to that right the, okay, you're talking about the, now, yeah. the 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 origins like the actual hans christian anderson story is uh, so bad well no i was i was you know, sure uh but uh, okay, oh, uh, I want to ask. Sorry you, for jumping in. Then what were you? Oh no, you, uh, you can you can add what you were thought. But I was just thinking of just story in general, which is about this young girl who basically hates her origins and wants to escape to a better world that looks more civilized, more technologically advanced, and everything. And you know, what essentially ends up, at least in the Disney version, running away with this guy. And you're going to turn her black and it's just like well especially you go turn her black but keep the boy white and but, yeah. no, the movie changed the setting to like this uh like 
ill-defined Caribbean setting. And and I read this interview with like some like uh, you know the set design uh, costume designer, and she specifically cited like the 1830s Caribbean as her uh, like our starting off point. Like like well, everybody so knows what's happening. Yeah, everybody knows what's happening in the 1830s. But but, but the- what was funny <laughs> is somebody pointed it out. Yeah, like, and they got but- in trouble. Yeah, yeah, they got in trouble, but by the people who love to cancel yeah, no, exactly. anything, yeah, yeah. They, and the people who love to cancel any and everything, oh, uh, once once it, once the wokeness got in the way of their like kind of swirling fantasy, yeah, suddenly uh, let people enjoy things. Where they had to yeah. bring real world, like like one of the guys who was most adamant about it was somebody who loves canceling stuff all the time, like. Um, uh, is it that shit-tired guy? Yeah, shit-tired. Oh, it, it, I, I hate that guy. Yeah. He's so corny. But, but especially oh if God. it's involving to bash black men. Like, if she, if they put her together with a black man, he would have been like, can we talk about how black men rape and kill uh, black women every day? You know, it would have been like that. But suddenly, like, slavery, that's too small a thing to worry about. Like, if it's going to have to involve uh, criticizing white men, like, suddenly wokeness is, that's the limit of wokeness. If it gets in the way of swirling, uh, romance fantasies. It's, it's, and it's one thing that bothers me about a lot of these people is they kind of use, this is, I think, another hallmark of modern quote-unquote wokeness is that a lot of these things, these causes are used disingenuously to advance like personal agendas, you know what I mean? And they're easy to abandon the minute they become inconvenient to the uh, fantasy of affirming your identity or smiting your enemies so suddenly all this stuff about fighting white supremacy and wokeness and um you know making people accountable for how they treated minorities goes out the window once it gets in the way of your personal um dreamy white boy romance fantasy you know what i mean i think that's a very consistent thing with the modern iteration of wokeness a total lack of consistency in how you apply these things once they go against your your affirmation or score settling agendas. Yeah, it's not about principle. It really devolves into like per, like like supporting a pers- some personal fiefdom. So it basically means support these people, not even and by by that I mean like individuals. But it's yeah. under the cover saying like support black women or something. But it's not like all black women. It's not a it's not a consistently held principle. It's these black women in particular who have these platforms. And and, and the one the ones who's reflected glory i feel like i can bask in you know that um i can somehow feel some kind of secondhand um self-aggrandizement through like if it's a black woman that you know for whatever reason i don't feel like i can um piggyback onto them as a proxy for myself uh i'm not really interested really you know uh just you said you want to talk more about the original tale yeah i mean just just a, I guess it just jumps on to what you were starting to talk about but it's like like when i he- saw when i heard that the uh remake was ha- the live action remake was happening I was like surely not um because i don't know if, if 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 people have read the original hans christian anderson story it is well worth reading i think once and mm-hmm. like and i and i knew i remembered it. it was like like surely not surely there is somebody at it in disney that would be like this this ain't it like this cannot this is like the one story we absolutely should not race bend especially with a black woman in the in the title as a title character in the yeah. original story 
mer people are basically fish and the moral crisis the, the the plot driving crisis is that ariel the mermaid discovers that when mermaids die they don't have souls so when mm -hmm. they die they're just dead they don't yeah. get souls and her grandmother tells her the only way you can get a human you can get a soul and therefore be guaranteed eternal life is if you win the heart of a of a human mm -hmm. so uh so the entire moral struggle there is her trying to seduce the, this guy just to get a soul speaking of animal yeah basically it's a fish and um, there's something people speculate that it's like. Oh, a, also, I just wanted to add um, mm -hmm. in the original story, I, I suddenly remember it. it says like every time she steps, it feels like a thousand like hot knives, right? Mm -hmm. Are Supposed stabbing be, her. Yeah. Yeah, and then this like prince that. is oblivious, so she agrees to dance with him. And, you know, it's like dagger yeah, it just, steps. It's like so pure suffering, pure agony, for, pure for male torture, attention. <laughs> yeah, but she's and he makes her sleep in a basket outside his door. Oh, I I totally forgot about that. <laughs> I didn't. Like what that. the fuck. And yeah, so that's something that is uh, a lot of people say about it too. Is uh, Hans Christian Andersen was supposed to uh, be gay? Uh, I don't know to what extent he had fully defined sexuality to himself because you know there was not a real uh, open gay identity back then uh, for people to kind of slot into like there is now. Yeah. But yeah, I'm not gay. I just like to have sex with men. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, or, I think like, or if like you never act were, on like... it, you could tell yourself that you're not gay back then. Yeah, like he had a he had a very confirmed like I think they found his letters to like um, this man I think a minor noble. A yeah, he had a huge crush on this guy who was like his best friend, but it was kind of like an unrequited you know love. And they said a little mermaid is about about that how um, him wanting to be her wanting to be something else to be with this guy is like something like him wishing he could be a woman. So that he could mm. be in love with uh, this guy, or yeah, or him wishing something was different, so that so it's kind of interesting in a way. It was a progressive story, especially for its time, uh, but it wasn't didactic, which I think woke people don't like. You know, it can't be that nuanced and between the lines. You know, the the image, the optics, because you know they don't really have a sense of. Um, there's a literalness I noticed with kind of woke people where. Something will have an actual more nuanced, more progressive and enlightened message to it, but they'll change it for something that seems more progressive on the surface. But actually, when you think about it, it's really it's being more regressive. Yeah. Yeah. Like here now we have a black mermaid. They, I guess they redacted the whole she's she's desperate for a soul. I, uh, <laughs> Um, but like I'm re I have the Wikipedia open. The plot is, I, I guess we should spoiler alert this. I don't know. Um, I don't. Well, we I don't haven't know. even watched We're it, so I guess up. it's hard to spoil. Yeah. It, We're all grown ups here. Yeah. Um, this movie is like forty years old. The original is forty years old. Yeah. You get the general. It's for forty year olds too. <laughs> and like it says. <laughs> uh, no, I just want to interject with something. Uh, sorry, just to cut you off, but no, a lot, our friend Liza wanted to be here, but unfortunately she couldn't. But she put something. She told us all something because she has three kids, and she's like saying. Uh, trust me, all the kids uh, and their friends, nobody wants to see this movie. They all want to see Spider-Verse. They all want to see, like, Transformers or whatever. I, I mean, th I think this is pretty much for millennials and our... So adults. Grown adults are the ones doing emotional this. emotional needs, yeah. I mean, she was she was telling me, um, and I wanted, like, you know, sh her perspective 
should be in here. She's the only one of us that's, that's, you know, actually raising kids. Like it's, she, her sense is that it's not actually media representation doesn't actually mean as much to the younger generations coming up because these kids are growing up watching like Twitch and YouTube and anime all day, every day, like possibly more immersed in that, like real time, kind of like pseudo real time interactions with ordinary people or more ordinary than like, like superstars than they are with like media tent poles, mm-hmm. the way millennials and older generations were expected to relate to media. Valid point, I think. And in that sense, like then the kids that are growing up with this, they're actually immersed in a far more like inclusive representative media landscape than the grownups. It's the grownups that are relitigating like stunted childhoods and, and, you know, broken identity crisis issues that peaked in like, middle school yeah Yeah. embarrassing as shit but what was the point that you were making uh jess you were saying something and then chris um interjected with that thing did you get to go back to it oh yeah i was just reading the um yeah, we, it was to your point that, you know, something that's superficially progressive ends up actually pushing a deeply regressive message. Um, I think just reading through this, this plot here, this is exactly that, right? So nominally, it's about, you know, a black woman uh, who manages to get what she wants and score the guy and win, you know, what win in the in the in the universe of this movie, right? Uh, but like, in the 1830s, slaveholding Caribbean. On top so of she that. becomes so she becomes the princess of a kingdom where they're probably throwing little black children into a sugar cauldron. Yep. yep oh wait. Exactly. Uh, also, cool. a little fact that um, I learned. Uh, so the prince Eric is adopted, and his mom. Well, his uh, uh, yeah, his mom's black because they have black. I guess that, governors this is so contorted. Run, oh, running so the cool. the sugar <laughs> sugar oh, islands. Or oh, oh wait, wait. He's a, so he's adopted by a black woman. Yeah. A black, oh, so, 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 oh, so, so basically, that cures, that cures the sin of his whiteness because a black woman educated him. Basically, <laughs> and, and and he couldn't have been he couldn't have been adopted by a black man because if so, he would actually be more problematic. He would have probably <laughs> he would probably beat her as soon as she came out the water. Uh, I don't know who his dad is. I'm. Sure, he's probably a white dude, but I mean, just from the stuff I read, he he's adopted by the royalty of of I don't know what that's supposed to be like. Now, Jamaica now he, or whatever. Now here's my question. Somehow the 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 royal woman in in the Caribbean at this time somehow manages to be a black woman. But I wonder if the royal man who adopted him is a black man because I find it interesting. Oh, I, I seriously doubt it. Yeah, seriously, Donna, because there's a way in, they, in which they erase black men in this, which is very interesting. Like she's black, she doesn't really look biracial to me. I mean, I, she could possibly be. It's not beyond. You mean Halle Bailey. Yeah, Halle Bailey. She could possibly be biracial, but for the most part, she looks like a light skinned full blooded black woman. But it's, I find it interesting that they kept her um, father white. I mean, he might be a white Latino, but he's still basically racially uh, white. So it's like it's interesting. Uh, she doesn't have a black father, uh, so so her her lover is still white. The father's uh, still white, but she's black. But somehow, Eric's mother is also a black woman. So it's almost like they want to erase um, black men to a degree, and maybe to a degree erase uh, a certain amount of white women. You know what I mean? To kind of well, there's Eric- Vanessa, the evil white woman. Who yeah, but she, she, turns she, into. she's allowed to be evil. She's allowed to be white because yeah. she's evil. Yeah, exactly. She's evil. But I, I think it's, it's, 
I think the movie kind of did a black man a favor by not making her dad black because then it would be even worse because she would be ditching her black dad to run away to. They would make it too obvious. <laughs> it would just be too bad. Because for opening paragraph the is... The optics are just too bad. <laughs> she is fascinated with the human world despite never having seen it as Triton forbid all merfolk from going to the surface after Ariel's mother was killed by a human. I, I don't know. Oh, yeah, this is, this the, is like this is like ground. I don't know. To me, that sounds like grounds. That seems like a very sane p- policy position. That oh, this is, that's a very good call. Oh, yeah, this is in the movie, right? Yeah, this is the movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, yeah, the reason why, because I think in the in the animated version, well, I think Triton makes a reference to how they eat fish, like the humans. But mm-hmm. he's the humans certainly didn't kill his wife in the Disney yeah, animated. But this version. is like here, very direct. Uh, her, yeah. her mother was killed by yeah, a human. And Ariel's like. I don't give a shit. Like, <laughs> like fuck you, Dad. Uh, also, so, so here's something, here's something oh interesting. I'm looking it up because I want to see. The father is just dead, so he has a black mother. The father is dead, and they don't say what race the father is. But mm-hmm. I strongly suspect the father is is not a black man. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's already pushing it for an 1830s queen to be a black woman, but it would be really weird for them to be. Uh, recognized caribbean king and queen first off it's kind of weird to have a king and queen of the caribbean but, but yeah not, it's um not a european whatever. king and queen who owned the colony you know but that the caribbean itself had a king and queen but uh yeah uh i'm pretty i'm pretty sure that the the father is implied to be white yeah it's a very but that's another way what we're just talking about it becomes very regressive in all the things it does in trying to be superficially uh, progressive on the on the surface. Whereas I think the original allegory, even if everybody in it was uh, appeared white and Danish, is a way riskier, uh, bold allegory, um, especially for its time as a covert gay gay um, fable. You know, uh, yeah, yeah, it's way more progressive than this kind of striver fantasy that they. That they presented. If they wanted to cast a black, well, like the Little Mermaid's original name's not Ariel. So if they wanted to just remake or do a version of the Little Mermaid but had black mermaid, but then kept to the originals, much maybe they could have just made the whole cast black. But I think a lot of people would uh, actually be very curious in the in a very faithful retelling of the Little Mermaid, just because it's so much darker. Yeah, um, but I also feel if they made it all black. A certain type of person would be very disappointed because yeah. both I think both the racists and like the black progressives would be disappointed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think I think a lot of I think to a degree the racists might actually not be so bad with it because they'll just say, Okay, this is oh, just it's a black movie, I just won't see it. Yeah. Yeah, I just won't I just won't see it. This is just a weird uh thing. But um I think I think a lot of the so called progressives would have been very upset to see um you know, have have a all black thing with a, a black father, a black a black love interest. I think they would feel like um, disappointed by that because it wouldn't be the inclusion that they really want. Yeah, because it's about inclusion into like the mainstream, which is not defined by yeah. like if you made it all black, then it'd just be like the Little Mermaid brought to you by Tyler Perry. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's the way they're gonna see it. Exactly. They'll they'll. They'll view it like that, no matter how respectfully mm-hmm. it, tr- it tries to um, 
present itself. Yeah, because these power, these these retellings, they're all they're not about. They all take a certain direction, right? It's all like fantasies about royalty, power, being rich, connected, you know, with a with a strong legacy of power. Like like Bridgerton was 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 entirely about that. Like that remake of like Anne Boleyn with a black woman. Like that was just freaking insane to me. Like, oh, did yeah. you people not read the rest of that? Do you not know what happens to her? Like, <laughs> how is this even a black power, like a black female power story? Yeah, I don't, it's... I haven't seen it. I'm kind of curious about it. How the, because I saw some of the hype around it. Like, Oh yeah, they're casting a black woman. This is a wind representation. Do you not know what happens to her? I mean, I don't think anybody saw it though, because I mean, that's one of the funniest things about it. Is I remember when it was um, coming out, and I was still stupid enough to start this course <laughs> on this stuff. Uh, you know, I was talking about it, and I was like, "This thing looks so stupid," and um, none of you guys are really that crazy about this. None of you guys care about British history. You guys act like this is so important. You know, it's the same people who. Uh, acted like they won when Meghan Markle got married to Prince Harry, like like those type of weirdos. And everyone's like, no, you're just jealous. You're a hotep. You're a hater. Uh, everyone loves this. You go, Jody Turner. We love you. They were just going on and on. And then a couple months later, I was thinking about it. I'm like, whatever happened to that thing? Uh, when is it coming out? Like, I, I was thinking about it more than they were because I was like, <laughs> um, wh- whatever happened? I, I never heard it talked about. And then I, I searched and it came out months ago. So I was like, no fucking way. So I <laughs> searched Twitter for, you know, the Anne Boleyn thing. And there was like one or two links to an article or a review in The Guardian or something. But none of the people who were acting so gung-ho about it, not a single one tweeted about it. It was out of sight, out of mind. I was like, okay, you people just pretend to like this shit. <laughs> Even you guys didn't watch this bullshit. For all your uh, arguing with people. That's as far as I can tell, you guys don't even seem to know that it came out. Yeah, yeah. So that's a good the, point. That's pretty damning. Yeah, yeah I think it happens with a lot of this too. stuff. They they like the idea of things more than they actually like the thing. It's just it's a, it was just such a weird thing to to get all hyped up about. Like really, like recasting a queen that who got executed by her husband. How is this? How was this a win? Yeah, and it's I'm a just, double. Like, it's a double pretending because I at least believe these people like the original Little Mermaid. I, I can believe that. I can believe these people care about um, Disney princesses and the weird stuff like that. But I don't believe any of these people cared a little a whit about British history, Henry the, Henry VIII, Anne Boleyn. So they not only don't care about uh, Jodie Turner and this production, they don't care about the subject matter or really any of it, except for the fact that it's a story that's important to white people and you manage to put a black person in it. And yeah, that seems to be the big thing because like the queen Cleopatra thing, like there are African Queens, like even in ancient Egypt, right. Yeah. Uh, which and Cleopatra was not part of like, like an Egyptian antiquity either. Yeah. Um, She's in the Macedonian like, di- dynasty that I think was brought to the region by Alexander yeah, the Great. A general early, of, yeah, a, a general of Alexander the Great uh, who, who set up shop in Egypt and basically five generations of brother marrying sister later, that's Cleopatra. Yeah. Like, that family tree is a stick. 
Um, like there is not, there, there is no, like we are, we can confirm that she is far from African. But if the yeah. point was to tell a story about an empowered, like African queen, like why not Nefertiti, right? Who's who's an Egyptian, a powerful Egyptian queen, famous, uh, maybe not quite as famous as Cleopatra, but everyone's heard the name. Yeah, it's, and also, Cleo- so good. No, it's just it just seems kind of. Um, it seems intentional to go after like the one, the one queen that's kind of near and dear, the one Egyptian queen that's like plausibly it like, like nominally in Egypt. So you can kind of blackwash it as African, but also, but also a queen that's more associated with like Rome and Greece, like, like the Mediterranean. Yeah. Gotta have that love triangle. Is, I think that's what they really liked. Yeah. Exactly. Which is kind of, which has kind of been whitewashed as well. Right. So a lot of people think that like the Romans and the Greeks were like were white the way we understand it. So mm-hmm. it's like it's it's like they're kind of blackwashing Cleopatra while whitewashing Rome, which is very weird. Yeah, but I think it also kind of uh, fits into the fantasy they want. Like, again, if they try to make the two suitors more ethnic, I think it would have kind of ruined a lot of the fantasies. As yeah, so well. we, we're getting to like weird like freudian territory so it's yeah. this is the part where like i kind of have to like mentally check out because it's a little bit too like it gets a little bit too revealing of very deep-seated like racial insecurities and it requires and, and a lot fantasies. of speculation too because at the end of yeah. the day you can't really prove it you know even mm-hmm. though the circumstantial evidence of all the different ways they act you know make it seem plausible but you know at the end of the day it's speculation yeah, so it gets so now we're in like really like mushy gray area territory. So I don't know how much further we can go. It's just like all these little data points point in a in a direction that points away from the stated goal. So yeah. I don't think people are wrong for starting to tar- starting to distrust it at least. I mean, I'll give another example of something where I think they made it less progressive instead of more. And I was talking to Chris about this before, but the. Uh, Peter Pan and Wendy um, uh, movie, you know, where they wanted to make Wendy into more of a modern day type of girl boss feminist, which is, I think, I think a lot of the modern girl boss feminism is kind of motivated by this type of, uh, for lack of a better term, like a type of penis envy, where this kind of idea that the best there's almost a little bit of a misogyny built into it because there's this idea that women being anything remotely close to the traditional stereotype of womanhood is cringe and embarrassing and that the most progressive or enlightened thing that uh, a woman can do is encroach on the territory the accomplishments the behavioral patterns of of men as opposed to seeing value in anything that women are traditionally associated with so the original peter pan and uh wendy like peter pan was kind of presented as a stunting figure like he wasn't just because he was the main character doesn't mean that he was considered unequivocally good I wouldn't even say he's the main character. He's more like a freak. Like Wendy's clear. Like I, I read the the main like like Peter Pan on uh, Kensington Gardens and then Peter Pan and Wendy, which I found funny because like the yellow flash taps were so mad that the new uh, movie was called like Peter and Wendy or Peter Pan and Wendy. When the original actually, book is called that. Yeah, that's the original book is called that. So it's um they don't even know what they're talking about. But yeah, clearly Wendy is the protagonist. 
and she is the one and, and peter pan's like this little freak who like is a little boy forever he has a memory of a goldfish because he never grows up and you yeah, never get it's to, not yeah, flattering it's, yeah it's not it's not good to be peter pan yeah yeah and she's the one that actually matures them like like she makes them get in touch with their their emotions their adult side she represents and in a way, like someone could complain, hey, maybe this is a paternalistic stereotype. You know, there's an argument to be made for that. But there was, in a sense, it was uh, very appreciative of what it considered to be what women bring, which is women bring a civilizing aspect, a maturing aspect to um, to to men that, you know, she's the one that makes them all realize you can't just be boys forever. You have to embrace adulthood you have to uh i think peter's the one that she basically can't save right Th- yeah, all the lost boys come home with her and get adopted by the darlings peter uh basically it's it's really sad actually what happens because like he it, he kills captain hook and tinkerbell dies because fairies have a very short lifespan so he's just like roaming alone forever uh and as, as i said because he's so young he doesn't have like a full brain i guess so he keeps forgetting everything from captain hook to wendy to tinkerbell so all he really does is come back every now and then when he remembers and takes one of like wendy's daughters or granddaughters you know as as they down the line and you know takes them back to neverland for like a summer but then he forgets to come yeah he's that's no life yeah it's really (laughs) sad and uh wendy is clearly the superior character as far as like what you should want to be but Mm -hmm. it's crazy that these people all they could see is everything comes down to them i feel like my brother got away without washing the dishes. Like they, they're stuck in this weird juvenile. He got, to, he got to play sports. He got to go out and party. And yeah, and he then, had yeah. he didn't have a curfew. It's kind of that thing. I want to be able to do what my brother did. So Wendy comes back and she's a bigger raging asshole than Peter Pan. She <laughs> wants to fight with everybody. Like she is more of a lost boy than Peter than Peter Pan is. Like like they want to prove that she can do anything that boys can do better so all the bad stuff that made peter pan stunted the new movie is intent on showing you that wendy's actually better at than peter pan and the rest of the lost boy she can so, fight so she's with more a, stunted than him you mean yeah yeah as, as in like she she wants she can fight with a sword better than peter pan she's kicking at like she's not supposed to be kicking ass she's supposed to be the evolution beyond childish mm-hmm. games not the best at the childish games but that's the only way these people can kind of see progress in a woman is to yeah, be better at whatever that. the boy is doing without even questioning, is what the boy is doing even good? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's so- a trope that, I, that that really bugs me. You know, like like fight scenes now, like they have this like very slim woman who's like all of 5'2", and she's throwing around like 250-pound hunks, slabs of beef villains, like like they're popcorn yeah yeah and it's uh i, I mean yeah, there was there was a movie i watched sometime in the last year or two but um it was really good because it's like it, it was these fight scenes and oh i think it was in um oh it was a uh, warrior in the tv show because they have these fight scenes in which um the main one, one of the main female characters she's the one who runs the the brothel and there's this brutal fight scene in which she actually does beat up and maybe kill or at least uh incapacitate these two like thugs that come after her but she has she to really has, earn it she has to really earn her face is just like mashed in by the end and she has to like 
really dig deep and find all sorts of uh, ingenious slash underhanded ways as you would in a real street fight even if you were a man right and, yeah. and you had you were fighting someone you would do anything to to try to stay alive and that fight was just so exhilarating because it wasn't just watching i don't know like ellen page or whatever uh no wait i'm, I'm getting her mixed up with someone else ellen page is a singer i think no ellen Who's page the- is the one that's not elliot page and you just misgendered her you oh yeah for him. some reason i, I was you getting mixed up with some, some uh. british singer i think yeah but like I, I like someone like her easily taking on these people as if she were like i don't know um mike tyson it's just yeah it's, it's actually much less interesting to look at yeah and like with the the wendy the peter pan and wendy uh they have her fantasy like the whole thing is about how she is dreaming of bigger and better things and what a woman can do in Victorian England. Like it's, it's shot through with presentism. And like she, um, they show her fantasizing about her dream life, you know, uh, and leaving Neverland. And she's dreaming about flying a plane. There's no sign of a family, no sign of a husband. She dies alone. Like she just uh, has like her job. <laughs> I, I surprised they didn't put like cats somewhere, <laughs> you know, and it, and it was just kind of weird. I'm like, okay, like, why would a woman in Victorian England fantasize about this? You know, like, I don't even think it's 100% female fantasy even today. I think it's only a certain number of women, you know, who live in, like, progressive, metropolitan progressive cities who dream of this as their uh, dream life. But it was just such a weird piece of, like, um, presentism that I think does a disservice to, like, what could have made a woman back then strong? Like, you know, you could have made her strong in a way that was within the context of her time, but there's this weird kind of shame. Like, you yourself don't clearly don't like women of that era, you know, right. or what women you're have degrading, been. Yeah. You're oh. degrading basically how they lived. Yeah. I mean, and and how they lived pers- is a lot longer than how you live now. Like, well, how you live now is a very recent thing. So you're basically mm-hmm. disdaining a majority of the female existence in history. Yeah, I mean, it's been a long time since I've read the original book, but um, from what I re- remember, like the impression that it made on me was it was actually very respectful of the maternal role, right? Like in contrast to other depictions of like like the, the like femininity or like mothering, right? Uh, which is kind of infantilizing, right? It's cast as a lesser than um, like occupation in the family like a lesser like a lesser role in the family this kind of elevated it saying like no actually like this kind of this kind of development is highly necessary and you cannot make the transition from child to adult without experiencing it and respecting it as such Mm. so it's actually very respectful for a very crucial element of a person's development which is and like fully giving it respect as a as a feminine like energy yeah totally because it's like the book kind of starts with her just basically defaulting to the role of like a nanny maid right just kind of like 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 uh like um kind of nannying the lost boys and Peter Pan, kind of serving them, doing stuff for them, doing chores for them, kind of babying them a little. And then as the book progresses, it's actually, it, she actually becomes a a directional force. Like, no, you guys have to leave that behind or this is just, this is going to be anarchy. You cannot develop. You are stuck if you yeah. cannot make this transition. Like she represents that transition point. Yeah, yeah. The lost boys weren't some ideal 
Because these people, all they think about is being included in stuff. Whether it, uh, if something is popular, if something is an institution, you know, and and well known, the highest good they can imagine is being represented uh, in it. So to them, the biggest problem about uh, the original Peter Pan was that Wendy didn't get to be one of the Lost Boys. She was excluded because of her gender, where she didn't want to be a lost boy. Uh, being a lost boy was not something for her to aspire to, you know? And in a way, they kind of revealed their own elevated idea of uh, men in patriarchy because you've invented that yourself, that the highest good in the story is to be a lost boy. That wasn't right. in the story, if you clearly uh, read it. You know what I mean? Like, like you kind of believe that yourself. Yeah. Right, and, to and be it's... able to see it that way, yeah. I mean, there could have been a really, in, in like, there could there is room to criticize that, right? Like, why are women typically expected to grow up quicker than 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 boys are, right? Why, yeah. like, it's not an accident that Wendy would just mature like that, um, while these this 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 crew of boys just didn't, right? Uh, like there's there you can make a criticism of like expected gender roles, but it can't be at by at the expense of saying like no actually anar- the anarchy of childhood is the desired state. Her like Wendy's oppression is that she could not be um, a lost boy. It's you know it's more like like why like the the criticism there is the the lo- why were the lost boys left lost like that? Yeah, because totally uh, they're stupid. <laughs> I mean that that's the explanation, right, in the book. That they were they're the idiots who got lost by yeah, they were crawling kidnapped, out of their and then they were they were led by they were led by bas- the personification of like like um like boyhood, right? Like carefree, kinda callous, uh borderline evil, like a di- different dement I a, yeah. Um If I remember correctly, isn't it even kind of said that Girls are too smart to end up. No, they explicitly boys. said that. Yeah, yeah, it's like the it's like the boys are too stupid, and they wander off, and then I, I don't know if it's like the fairies that kind of like kidnap them or or something like that, and they end up in Neverland, and that's why there are no lost girls in in Neverland. Yeah, so it's kind of like actually flattering to say that you know the girls aren't ending up lost boys because they're so 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 maybe in a way it's a weird type of feminism. Like, hey, we could be stupid too. <laughs> we can end up. I guess. But 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 they didn't mean it that way. They just no, ended up. They didn't. But, yeah. But this tracks with the same mindset of like the whole like Bridgerton crowd. It's always it's you know, like do not question what you're so assimilating like in, in, into. In, well, yeah, because in their very like you know, with with the whole like social justice they're so obsessed with, you know, power power hierarchies, power differentials, and it's never question who's above you. It's always like you try to replace them, you know. You never yeah. really try to you, you you can use all the radical language you want, but you, you actually speak louder than words. And when you look at what they're trying to do, it's really just about, that's why like in British, it's not about like a Haitian style revolt by the, by the black people. No, it's like the black people are the kings and queens and they just by insinuation seem to own like slave plantations themselves. It just... And and then and then when you say something like that that guy, uh, you get called uh, names and saying, "I'll just let people enjoy things, even if it's slavery." And these are the same people who, that same week, were defending the color purple and bringing up every bad thing black men did through black women through history, you know, to justify mm-hmm. it. Like like the times when they need um, fidelity to the real world are very telling. Like you know. 
slavery not a big deal don't 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 yuck our yum you know with this <laughs> with this romance it's just uh slavery why why you're gonna act like slavery was a big deal in the 1800s like you know uh come on so everyone knows it was a minor thing but color purple okay let's talk about my my great great grandmother who said that her gra- her her husband did this to her like people taking stuff like that to justify um the anti-black stuff, anti-black male stuff in color purple. Like somebody was saying that her great grandmother told her how, um, you know, she was kept to be bred by her husband. I was like, why would your great grandmother even tell you that story? Because I never heard a story like that where, you know, uh, the wife was kept. She made it sound like her great grandmother. And people were saying, did your great grandmother really tell you this story? Like, how did it even come up, you know, but, you know, that she was kept uh, as a wife, um, the whole family agreed that she would be kept to be bred and she was constantly bred against her will. And uh, she kept swearing it was uh, true. And all these people were sharing stories like that. And these are the same people who were suddenly like, um, why are you making a big deal about reality in this Little Mermaid thing? Just uh, enjoy, enjoy the story. And it, it feels good, you know? Mm-hmm. yeah um yeah i mean that like that's like what you said there is kind of telling to me like it, because it feels good right that's the same kind of reaction like uh it's it's meaningless it's light entertainment it's funny it's you know it's just meaningless fun or something i think fun is actually a very sophisticated sensibility yeah right like if you're learning a new language like the best test to actually gauge your competence in that language and you know the culture of the people who use that language it's actually to watch comedy in that language right like chances are you're not going to understand like anything uh, but the la- audience is going to be laughing their asses off because clearly it resonated with them like oh, totally. fun fun is a really sophisticated thing being funny likewise too so on its surface it can be something that's dismissive right like oh it's just comedy or it's just fun but you dig deeper it actually it the reason why it's fun can be far under the surface and it's worth tapping into like i don't know it says it doesn't say comfortable things if someone finds like a a wealth fantasy built on like slavery and you can just glide right over that and find fun in it and i think it's not just uh you know the fun of something feeling good and affirming but and we said this before but the fun of seeing the people that you don't like uh being taken down so like say the color purple has um the it's not necessarily fun because what's happening to the black women in the color purple it's pretty traumatic it's kind of like you know when people discuss trauma porn like uh color purple has a lot of that but the fun in that is the um how exorciated the the black men are like how they're just kind of um put through the ringer and kind of shown to the audience as you know being these uh terrorists and and monsters of the of the community that in the end makes makes that movie um kind of fun despite all the tragic like like not a lot of people want to live the life of the women in that thing but it's it's worth it for the target audience to you know have a movie that is kind of its ambassador of its message to the world about how bad black men black men are if you're ever curious you should look up gene siskel's review of the original color purple it's really 
bizarre. What, what does he say? Um, he basically is he loves the movie because it finally reveals how terrible black men have been to black women uh, throughout history. Um, oh wow. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's really uh crazy crazy. He would have he would have definitely been canceled uh for it if he was still alive. Like they would have definitely uh Don't you mean like praised? That seems exactly like what Oh he well, get canceled and then revived and then canceled again and then Yeah, it would have been split. Uh a certain crowd would have uh canceled him, but they would have been outweighed by the better platform crowd that would have uh totally been like uh you get us. You know who who's directing the new color purple? Um, I think some African guy. I forget. Mm. I forget what he's done. I think he might have done one of those Disney live action. But I'll find out right like, now. Like fr- like uh, like African African, <laughs> like um, African American. Um, he's either um African born parents or he's born in Africa himself. But I, I think oh, okay. he I think he worked on that Beyonce. African special, you know, she did some kind of uh, like a concert recording. Yeah, that was very African themed. I think she okay. was, and it took place in Africa. I think um, he was a director. He was a director of of that. Um, I'll tell you his name. Uh, a Blitz Bazawule. I see. Uh, and um, he directed Black is King, uh, which was the the Beyonce uh, special. Yeah. He, he's doing this now. I was actually about to say that, you know, as these types of movies are clearly about these very interpersonal, often like intragender, I mean, not intragender, intraracial, like, beefs, um, the more alienating they will be to the global audience in that, you know, why would people in Sweden or South Africa or Japan care about this? But then again... You know what movie did really well in Korea? Get Out. It, that was a very funny thing I learned um, oh, recently as I was like doing this. So maybe if a movie is just plain good uh, as Get Out was. I mean, I thought it was a little overrated, but I think pe- most people would say. And I also think it suffered because there's been so many bad imitations, including by yeah. Jordan Peele himself. Yeah. That, but when it came out, it was uh, something that not many people had not seen before. So I think yeah. still uh, get not out too- and Joker, of what? like ma- like big studio productions that did well in South Korea. It's mm-hmm. like Get Out and Joker. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't realize Joker did. did that Joker well. is a- Joker. Yeah, it's, it was huge in South Korea. If you look in, if you look at the Wikipedia for Joker, South Korea is like its number two money making audience. I feel like I can see that to be honest, because there's a lot of disaffected directionless young men. Uh, mm-hmm. Media in South Korea. I mean, there was one that I saw with Teen called um, oh, "Burning," yeah, "Burning." But since then, because I've been trying to watch more South Korean stuff, I noticed there's a lot of themes about like you know directionless young men who I, I see it in Japanese media too, with like the the whole neat phenomenon and stuff. Um, but yeah, I can see how Joker would kind of resonate in a place um, like that, based on some of the stuff I've seen in um their other their other media same with a lot of their uh korean manga they have a lot of like um directionless young um slacker guy or gamer otaku type guy who's just not really uh having a failure to launch 
Yeah, there's like a there's a kind of vengeful nihilism to Joker that is just very common in a lot of Korean cinema that would you know it's just it's old it's boy very for familiar. example yeah yeah, yeah. Old, old boy had a lot of that nihilism yeah. to it and it's interesting that something like beef is like a like korean americans uh, lee sung jun who made it i don't i don't know exactly how korean he is i know he was born in korea but it's like that has now started to come over to asian america which i find very exciting yeah uh but um yeah but if you if you watch korean movies like there's a lot of you know joker type movies a lot of them and so it would have been I think it was very exciting for Korean audiences to see kind of like an American version of that with a very famous uh, comic book character. Yeah. So in that in that kind of landscape, I don't actually know how a piece like like The Little Mermaid fits in, right? Like it's it's always a little bit like like it barely fits in here. Yeah. Like yeah. it's a little, it's a little behind the times to really capture the attention of the zeitgeist here. Um, how are we assuming that a the entire world was in lockstep with where the U.S. is, and that they are somehow uh, that this was going to capture the mood there as well? Yeah. If, if a, I, the, oh no, I can say there's a weird kind of remaking in history that's happening. That I was actually starting to wonder in enough time. Are kids going to be actually confused about what the past looked like? Because, um, you know, I wonder about that a lot, especially with the revision, like the revisionist history stuff. Like, there's a version of that where people look back on that and think that this t- that time was actually way better than it was. Yeah, exactly, Ex- exactly. And the Brits are leaning in very hard in it. Like, you would think because of how the culture war stuff happens on YouTube that it's mainly an American thing, but I think the Brits are way ahead of it. Like. Every British they actually thing, mandated. Oh, oh, it is. That makes sense. Yeah. Every British period piece now, uh, the thumbnail because I have like BritBox or on Amazon. There's a section for British stuff, and there'll be like an Agatha Christie thing, and like half the cast will be black. And I'm like, oh, did they update it to the modern day? And then I'll start playing it. It's like 1955. It's like, okay, I know there were black people in England from way back in the day, but they weren't as prominently involved in everything as you're presenting uh here like people were bringing up hey there were black people in england in the time of bridgerton i looked it up and it was like ten thousand. when there's like over a million in mm-hmm. in like london yeah. it's like, okay so they were there but you can't act like they were like one out of five people <laughs> the way that uh bridgerton makes it look like you know and i don't think they were shaking hands they weren't they, they weren't shaking hands with the king you know yeah. they weren't marrying into nobility here Right. They weren't the so, queen. Yeah. So, I mean, there's part of media that's not only just about gratifying people now, but it is kind of a testament to like a moment in history, too. So, part of me really kind of wondered like, are the, are the, uh, is the pro representation woke crowd kind of laundering history by in, in, oh, in for doing sure. all this? It's a, it's a quid pro quo of between you get to, you get, you have to include us. And will, as you said, launder your history a bit for you, so you don't have to feel guilty about uh, your own past. Yeah, so you end up undercutting like actual historic, his, like historical work, right, to inform future generations about what things were like. If the colloquial understanding is that there were black dukes and earls in England that ran plantations and benefited hugely from the slave trade, 
Like you actually, you actually do kneecap the the psychological impact of that with media, with media rep like this. Yeah, it, it's it's really it's really weird on the British side. If you look at Masterpiece Theater and look at the thumbnails on that, because Amazon has a section for Masterpiece Theater and there's a section for BritBox, and they just put in Regency England all this stuff. They have, um, you know tons of um, black people and they go through all these contrivances to get them in there like say oh, this person was brought over from Jamaica and they'll change one character like that but then it raises a whole bunch of other stories like okay why were they a slave taken from Jamaica but they don't have any real worries about what's happening back home with their family or <laughs> bye whatever. mom bye dad yeah yeah but they, it's they, actually I'll send you a postcard <laughs> It's written into law in England, I think, that every production that receives some amount of funding from uh, from public sources or something, I'm not entirely clear, but basically, it basically, it's a rule that basically means every production made in England or with, through a British production company has to have like X number of uh, underrepresented minorities in it. And that tends to mean black. Oh, They're no. doing that for the Academy Awards now, right? That's why what somebody got in trouble um, for speaking out against this. I'm like old like famous white guy director or actor i, w- I want to say like mel brooks maybe um mel brooks is an american though right right but he was complaining that oh, okay. in the academy they have these quotas where they're like in order to even be considered for a nomination like i don't know x percent of your crew and maybe even the cast has to be an underrepresented minority or something like that and then he got flamed for that hmm. there was this show called britannia that was supposed to be like, you know, the very early days of England. Like, uh, you know, when the Romans were still around and the barbarian, oh. the barbarian tribes, mm-hmm. like the Saxons and the Picts and the Angles. And I like historical dramas and stuff. So I started trying to watch it. And I'm sure it was probably fine. But like first episode, they put some black people in there in, for- <laughs> in, 43, in 43 A.D., and they were trying to contrive to explain how they were there in a plausible way. Like, uh, they came from, like, a Muslim route. I was like, I, I just don't want to deal with this. It, the it Muslims just, didn't wait, show up until, like, yeah, it's almost even invented. In I, I mean, I'm just trying to remember off the top of my head what it was. So I might have gotten it totally wrong. I mean, you there know? is no way. It would all be wrong because there is no plausible way that uh some poor like black person found found his way in england and like didn't die the first winter of vitamin d deficiency <laughs> yeah yeah it was very weird and and it's, and, and, and they dressed like everyone else too so it's not like they even dressed like in some kind of tribal so attire the, for to for a different area it's just like they just dressed like the other barbarians so he so just kind of showed up like and, the, you, and the picks were like okay all right you'll do he's, Come he's, on he's in. an outfit <laughs> so, so offensive like you, you don't think like africans would have had their own things going on like what better things to do than to just come on over to this nowheresville and 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 now they're they're trying to fit in like as if they were trying to already immigrate out of their hellhole that was whatever african kingdom they were living in it's just, it's just so just offensive on so yeah yeah levels. it's very insulting to the idea that there's nothing worthwhile going on uh in, in, that, that, in, yeah, they were they're trying to go to uh, like the, that place for jobs because it was so bad that where yeah they were from, yeah just... yeah even in, even in pre-colonial Africa <laughs> when when they weren't being exploited yet there was 
they really knew it was a better deal over there. I, I, I'd rather be in this in this invaded by Vikings every ten seconds and being attacked by Rome. I, I'd rather be there as a barbarian, you know, getting getting uh, attacked on all sides. It's still better than being in Africa. Yeah, it's and not to mention so the racism and all yeah, that. That's the, that's the era of the of some of the big Ethiopian uh, empires. Like Timbuktu was a was a university and a thriving academic center. Uh, North Africa was was yeah that's 43 that's that's just after like Cleopatra's time so North Africa was really popping off okay I'm gonna show you one of oh, the just let you guys know we only got four minutes on this oh, uh, no, okay. cheap ass and caster okay um okay. I can send you a well, quick can... link to the Britannia uh guy and how ridiculous he looked uh, I could put it right here in the chat Oh yeah, sure. So, so if you want to see that, that was the character that I remember. I think I remember seeing, and it was like wait, 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 Vitus? Vitus. Yeah, yeah. It, it just, oh, just no like, way. <laughs> oh no way! He looks like something from a Mel Brooks skit. Yeah, it's very bizarre. Yeah, he's Roman just Roman legions. Okay. And I forget how they explained he uh, how he ended up over there. It was very bizarre. Oh okay, Vitus. This actually kind of could. Vitus hails from the Kush, so a North African kingdom, trade partners, Egypt, who tried to resist Roman occupation, but this proved to be in vain when his family were murdered during a countryside counter raid. I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of plausible, but I just feel like you were just really so far fetched. Like, why would you? I'd rather if they, if, okay, if they're like mandated by law to do this, I'd rather they just kind of not mention it at all. Yeah, you know, like everyone talks about the like that's that uh, what is it the Cinderella uh, TV special back in the nineties that had like Whoopi Goldberg, Star Brandy, and, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but just don't mention and, it. Just have just, just race bend it. it and just you just, know just kind of just shove them all in there. Let let them let them do their thing and just like, we're just not going to bring it up. I it's still kind of alternate that. universe. Yeah, yeah. Like we don't have to like go through like oh well, what if Rome actually did this like invasion of this tiny little village and the and this guy just somehow just got drafted and they got shipped off to to this cold bog? Um, yeah, that's just like this is just bad. This is bad art. You yeah. Know? Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, and they right. kill him anyway. Yeah, oh, he's trying like. to resist, but now he's, uh, he's was he at least trying to bring them down from the uh, inside as naive as that always turns out to be? At least was he trying to do something, or was he just uh, like, okay, see, I couldn't you keep guys one, I'm gonna... dirty, yeah, they I did didn't... him so dirty. Yeah, it it looks says, like it. Three years after the Roman invasion of Britannia, Vitus allows Lucius to enter the Roman stronghold. Uh, da 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 da. What is in a tree stump outside the fort we found by Hempel? Uh, an associate of Hempel agitates Vitus and later that night assaults him and kills him so that Hempel may feast on his corpse before having a BDSM sex orgy. They did what? this guy dirty. Yeah. I'd rather it? not. Like, how is this more progressive than just simply like, we're just not going to talk about it. Yes. We're gonna, we're, he was eaten by Roman, so he will be forever part of the empire. Uh, weird. Weird. <laughs> I mean, that's, a, that's as much as you can possibly assimilate. You're actually becoming part of their flesh. <laughs> oh, Tea. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Digest and feed their <laughs> nutrient system. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. Before before we get really cut off, I think we got to say bye. Um, tea it was great having you back on as always. It was uh, fun. This is a fun episode. And listeners, um, hope you enjoy this. Jess, it was great to pod you with you again. It's been a while. Of course. Yeah. 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 So I like 2018 for a hot minute there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Anyway, uh, thanks for listening, everyone. We'll catch you next time. Bye, everyone. See ya. Take care.
Mm-hmm.